Hosting for this podcast is made possible through mtgcast.com, which is supported by a generous contribution from quietspeculation.com, Magic's premier trading and financial news site. Dominic Draft, this is episode 35, recording the 8th of August 2013. My name is Craig and I'm one of your hosts. Joining me this week is... Dan! Let's jump straight into the news. So last week we both predicted who was going to win the Magic Players Championship and who was going to win the Magic World Cup. And luckily and surprisingly, both of us predicted Shahar Shenhar and France as the two winners. Yay! No. Uh, that's, that's totally how I remember it. However, I did say at one point that the favourites were uh, I, were Reed Duke and Shahar Shenhar, and look at what the final was. So I'm quite happy with that. Yeah, this is true. Uh, <laughs> can't, can't remember who I actually said. I never put France on as the winner of the, the team one, but to be fair, they did have a couple of good names. Yes, so uh, Raphael Levy? Raphael Levy. Yeah, yeah so well, like, just... An amazing. I think he, does he have the most pro points or something like that? He is. He's at the oh, top of some rank. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, I think I want to say he's got the most pro points lifetime total, but I could be wrong about that. Um, now I want to look at the final standings. So Scotland was twenty sixth. England was twenty fifth. I have absolutely oh. no problem with that in the slightest. I'll be honest. I was supporting both teams. Also supporting Luxembourg, which came in thirtieth because I actually know somebody on the team randomly. Uh, so you know. Fair enough. Uh, I think the best finishing team that I was kind of rooting for was Ireland. Yeah, Ireland had a, a just fantastic run. They did, yeah. I mean, it was, I think, out of the teams that were in the top eight, like, if you compared them to them, they probably had a better record than some of them. So, that was pretty awesome. Where did Ireland end up? Ninth. Ooh, that's a bit sore. Oh, well. Yes, yeah. again, congratulations to France and congratulations to Shahar Shenhar, the first player of the year who is younger than the game of Magic. Yeah, and I think he's the second Israeli world champion. Not a winner of a world Magic championship. Oh no, Uri Peleg, sorry, in 2007. Yeah, there we go. Moving on, From the Votes 20 uh, has now been completely spoiled, so we now know all 20 cards are going to be in there. Or from the fault Jason, nineteen of his friends. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, pretty much. So I don't know whether we want to talk about these cards individually or just run through the list. But um, Dark Ritual, Source of Plowshares, uh, him to Torak, Torak, Torak. Still not sure how to pronounce that one. Um, Findhorn Elves, which I never heard of, but they're just Line of War Elves. Impulse, uh, Wall of Blossoms, Thran Dynamo. Tanglewire, uh, Factor Fiction, Chainer's Edict, Acroma's Vengeance, which is very pretty art, uh, Guild of Lotus, Ink Eyes, Servant of Oni, Char, which is apparently the only red card, uh, Venser, Servant Savant, Chameleon Colossus, which totally should be in Blitter Blossom, uh, Cruel Ultimatum, <laughs> Jace the Mind Sculptor, Green Sun Zenith, and Cassic Wolf Run. So no miracle cards like I had hoped, but I'm not going to complain. Yeah. I'm quite surprised that Char is the only red card. It's not a great. Sorry, it's the only mono red card. I mean, Cassic Wolf Run, arguably. Well, yeah, I suppose it. Well, it's coloured and it is red, so. Yeah. And I suppose Gilda Lotus can produce red. Yeah. (laughs) This this is true. Stretching it slightly, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know, because the thing is, when Jace was revealed, everyone got really excited, and then when the rest was revealed, everyone kind of went, ah, oh, that's a bit rubbish. But if you actually look at the cards, they are good. Yeah, it's I just think... the problem was that Jace was there, so... If you're comparing the rest of the cards to Jace, I mean, name me a better card than Jace. Yes. Yeah, Black Lotus. Not, it's not going to be something that's in this. <laughs> I, 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 only, I think the only cards which are better than Jace would be on the reserve list. Like, would you prefer Jace yeah. or Tarmogoyf? Yeah, it's probably pretty close. Yeah. I mean, Dark Confidant, is that better than Jace? No. I mean, Tarmogoyf's the next best in value, I would say. Yeah, so... It's likely to get reprinted. And they were never going to do that. That would just be ridiculous. So. No, that's true. But, I mean, I like some of the cards in this. Like, I'm quite happy with stuff like the Venser. It's got really nice artwork. Yeah. Um, And I think almost all of them are in my cube. So, they'll certainly get some upgraded file copies. Yes, and uh, of course some of these are in the... I want to say some of these are in the new border for the first time. Some of these are definitely in foil for the first time. Yes. Um, Something which was also announced during World's Week. That was what they called it, wasn't it? The World Cup and the Players' Championship. Yeah. Uh, the Community Cup 2013 team. So every year there's a Community Cup. It's uh, is it the Magic Online Community Cup, I believe it's his full name. And the Magic Online is... Somewhat emphasise more people who are famous for Magic Online related activities tend to be on the team, and obviously the entire event actually happens on Magic Online. It's all played yeah. digital magic, so that's why it's there in the title. So yes, the team has been announced. Um, names you should recognise, names I don't recognise, but who knows about you? So um, leading the team, or at least the first name mentioned, Melissa Datora, of course, pro player, a level two judge, and top eight pro tour gate crash. In case you didn't know what her resume was. Um, yeah, quite difficult to not have heard about her at some point this year, though. She's had a fair bit of coverage. Yeah. Um, Matthew Watkins, who's a writer for Ars Arcanum and Pure MTGO. No idea. No, ne- me neither. Um, Tom Delia, Delia, I want to say, uh, also known as MTG Radio, so he's a streamer of Commander and EDH. That's what he's focuses. Again, someone I've never heard of, I'll be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kenji Igashira. Thank you for taking that. I wasn't entirely sure. Uh, so Numot the Nummy is his alias. He's again another streamer. I think he's currently on a streaming everyday Magic Online for like this year. Yeah, I've noticed him streaming a lot recently. Um, he's also been in a couple of drafts with Marshall Sutcliffe. Yeah. Reed Duke, again, if you haven't heard of him, he just was a finalist in the World Players Championship. He's also a pro player, unsurprisingly. And um, Magic Online was where he grew up, in a way, or his career yeah, I mean, took that- off. That was his big first big success. Was it was 2011? In the, in the mocks, I think. Yeah, winner of the mocks in 2011, I want to say. Maybe 2010. That sounds about right. Yeah. We'll go with that. Jen van der Vecht? Jan van der Vecht. Thank you. Uh, so and that's, that's uh, also known as Daz Dizzy. Yes, so uh, uh, yet another streamer, but unsurprising because you can't really stream Paper Magic very well, uh, unless you're a wizard. He talked yeah. to Grand Prix Gothenburg. Gothenburg. Yeah, I watch him quite a lot actually. He's one of my favourite streamers. He's, he's really good. Yeah, he's quite personable. Yeah. Um, Michael Jacob, who pro player, maybe slightly lapsing, you could say. Uh, he was a member of uh, Team USA, who won the Team Worlds in two thousand and eight, uh, and he's been around. I just I don't think he's been very prevalent recently. Yeah, I think he's known as Darkest Mage when he streams. I'm not sure if that's the right name. Ah, does he also stream? Is that? Yeah, I think he does. I definitely recognise the name, but 
I think it's more likely to be from streaming. Yeah, it is. It is Twitch.tv's darkest underscore mage. So yes. Um, and then finally, Kia Saleh, I think is how you pronounce his name. He's a host from the Freed from the Real podcast. Again, another name I don't personally know. That's one I've not listened to either. So no, I actually haven't listened to that podcast either. But anyway, so but the, those are eight on uh, on the players' community cup team. Uh, wizards and basically every single employee within is the team against us. Yes. Because they don't just pick eight people now. They just go, uh, yeah, we'll just use everyone. <laughs> At least that's what they did last year. So I totally that seems fair. This year, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's our community cup team. And when is the community cup again? It's, uh, PAX Prime, I want to say. I believe you. August the 30th to September the 2nd in Seattle, Washington. There we go. Uh-huh. So, 21 days away as we're recording. Oh, that's a lot sooner than I thought. That is a lot sooner. That's actually quite a short turnaround from announcement to the thing actually happening. Like, I presume they've known for a while, but... Yeah, but I mean, we're used to Wizards announcing things like a year in advance, so... Yeah, I know. I'm looking forward to Journey into Nyx, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, totally. Exactly. (laughs) I can't wait to see how they build on the mechanics for the first two sets in Theros. Anyways, (laughs) let us move on to... Bring that card! Okay, I have a card. This may not be the easiest. Okie dokie. Okay, this card is black. Okay. <laughs> what more? Um, Graveborn Muse. It is not Graveborn Muse. Okay. This card is a sorcery. Uh, damnation. It's not Damnation. This card is merely an uncommon. Hmm. Um... Okay, I'm, I'm uh, a little bit stuck with uncommons. It's a single black mana uncommon sorcery. Um, innocent blood is no, that's a common. I think. Hmm. Is it a recent card? Uh, it was most recently printed. I want to say 2011, maybe 2012. Its original printing, however, was back in 2002. Oh. Yeah, it's quite an old one then. Um, in, in fact, it's only printing in a in a set was in 2002. Oh, I'm thinking of one. Deathmark? Not Deathmark. Ah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. Okay, um, well, short of giving you the name... Okay, I'll give you the second paragraph. Flashback, sacrifice a creature. Ooh, Cabal Therapy? It is Cabal Therapy. Yeah, you got there. That, that took a while. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it was printed in Premium Deck Series Graveborn. I can't remember if that was last year or the year before. Ah, uh, yeah. And then it's only uh, actually been printed in Judgment, although there's also a Friday Night Magic version as well. I so, see. Yes. Yeah, and it's also a, a spell I've thought about more recently than I thought about before Magic 2014. Okay. Can you think why? Um... No. There's a certain red card in Magic 2014 that goes rather well with it. The Young Pyromancer. Ah, right. Yeah, I was tra- I was thinking Molten Birth, but yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, that's kind of made me think about it a bit more because right. there's some interesting lines of play involving that one. Yeah, that's pretty good. Like you've got one out, you can cast it. Um, you get a creature, you can then use that creature to flash it back and get another creature anyway. Mm-hmm. So. 
so it can be quite nice. Especially if you preload the whole thing with something like a taxi and probe to see their hand. Haha, that was a nice little combo. And this is something that might be doable in cube. I'm not sure if they're all in your cube, but they're all in my cube. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. So, um, I will have to go with a card. That's a good start for name that card. Yeah, I, I, I reckon it'll probably help. Okay, I have the card in front of me. That is a good start. This card is a white card. Land tax. No. Okay. But it does cost one mana. Um, swords to plowshares. Is Swords Plowshares an instant? Uh, probably not for one single mana. No. No. I think I think it is actually. Anyway, it doesn't share that in common since this one is actually a sorcery. Um, I'm not sure if this is one white mana. I guess it probably isn't. But balance? Uh, no, balance is one and a white. Yeah, I thought it may have been one and a white. Um, this card was originally printed in. Fifth Dawn. Oh, uh, oh, is that a single white? Um, it's a sorcery. No, it wouldn't work as a You said this was a sorcery, didn't you? Yes. Okay. Hallow is not a sorcery. That would be useless. Um, okay. Well, it no, might not help, think. but it is an uncommon. Uh, no, that doesn't and give me much. It has something to do with equipment. Uh, oh, oh. Steel Shaper's Gift? Yes, well done. Right. <laughs> that helped. Yes, the equipment. That definitely helped it spring to mind. I thought that was probably the biggest clue, so I left it to last. Yeah, that that is a pretty huge clue, I'll be honest. There really wasn't much more I could give you, short of reading the text. <laughs> uh, does that have flavour text? Uh, it does, but oh. it's not particularly obvious. Yeah, the flavour text is, Some blades seek their own wielders. Which does actually helpfully define sort of what the card does. Yeah, it makes sense, but I don't think it would necessarily make me think of the card. Uh, I've been looking at Steel Shaper's Gift a lot more than other cards from Fifth Dawn, I'll be honest. So. Well, it is in your cube, I think. It is in my cube. Yay! So, unsurprisingly, I think we're preluding to what our main topic will be, although if you haven't, like... Well, we have mentioned it a few times. If you haven't read the synopsis of the show already, you're missing the trick about being able to spoil what the show's about before you listen to it. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so today we're going to be talking about Cube. Um, I think we had an episode about Cube a while back, and I had definitely had a New Year's resolution that I was definitely going to build a Cube this year. And uh, I even think I maybe started previewing some of what I was doing. But I've now finally built my Cube. It is physically here right next to me. And uh, yeah, we're just going to be talking about Cube in general, what our Cubes are doing, how to build a Cube, saying that's something I've quite recently been doing and may be useful for people, and... That's pretty much what today is all about. Yay, cubes. So, um, what is a cube? Um, a cube is a set you make yourself. You, you pick the cards from Magic History that you want to play in a draft environment or sealed environment, depending on what it is you want to play. And, um, yeah, you get all the cards you put them together, and that's your set you draft or play sealed with. Uh, what restrictions do you have? Um... None. None. <laughs> if you want to build a cube and um, it's 360 cards, 359 of them are Relentless Rats, and the last one is Pack Rat. 
<laughs> you can build that cube. You can build the rat cube. Mm. Convincing people to play it might be the harder part. I'm not saying it's fun, and uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily be interested in it more than once, but if that's what you want to do, you can do it. Now, cube more traditionally, what most people do, but there are no rules with cube, and this is vitally important, there's no rules with cube, but what people do tend to do is they take one of each card. So there's only ever one copy of each card in the cube. That's a traditional way of doing cube. But some people double up on things. Sometimes people bend rules so that, you know, if you take, um, oh, what's the bird called that you get four of in Church of Light? Squadron Hawk. Thank you. Yeah, Squadron Hawk. Like, if you, there may only be one Squadron Hawk in the cube, but if you pick it, you get, like, all of them or stuff like that. Um, doubling up on land is something I've heard about, which wouldn't surprise me. Um, but yeah, generally it's one of each card you want in your cube, so there's no duplicates. So if you pass the Jace the Mind Sculptor, unsurprisingly, there's not going to be another one unless the wheels on the tip, you know, going round. Yeah. Then, uh... and I mean, some people kind of look at this as more of a rigid thing, and some don't. Like, um, there's a few people who look at it really rigidly, but they want more of a certain effect. So, like, if there's two cards that do the exact same thing with the exact same effect, um, but with a different name, they'll have them in there. Like, for example, Cultivate and Kadama's Reach are essentially identical. So um, cube designers who want to have both but want to stick to that rule will probably put one of each in. Um, whereas there's some cube designers who have decided to go away from that a little bit. There's one of the cube designers on Channel Fireball who decided that he really wanted to push the sacrifice theme in his cube so he put in extra copies of grave crawlers and birthing pods and stuff like that so that was interesting yeah what else is a cube lots of fun yes lots of fun i mean infinite free drafts the the selling line i tend to hear is you get to play with all your best cards which i don't think is strictly true but yeah not it's, quite it's, it's reasonably in the ballpark anyways um Let's maybe move on to some of the big questions when it comes to building a cube. Because, you know, you, you sit down, you've got all your cars in front of you, whether that's literally with, you know, your physical cars are sitting in front of you, or you've got, say, a spreadsheet, or you just have a good idea in your head what cars you've got. How on earth do you start coming up with this list of singletons, this sort of super commander deck, and go, yeah, that looks like a fun thing to draft? Well, some of the big questions you've got to go... Uh, looking into are, do you want a powered or an unpowered cube? Now, not everybody has access to the Power 9 or cards which are up there with the Power 9, but mm. the difference between having very oh, exceptionally cheap, quick ramp, especially powerful spell effects will change your cube significantly. It's a question of, do you want to be able to win in like the first couple of turns, or do you want more regular games like you see in standard where you know people have to play spells and play creatures and there's actually some battling going on and you know they can't just win like turn one on the draw you know um yeah i've seen some ridiculous plays when people have been um playing with powered cubes like terastodon on like turn two or turn one even i think yeah when you get quite nutty yeah so it's a big question of what do you want? Like, if you want power, that's fine. I mean, everybody is basically going to be wielding unfair decks, but just realize that everybody's going to be playing unfair decks. If you're wanting the sort of creature-on-creature creature magic that, you know, wizards have been pushing towards, you know, then you probably don't want to go with a power cube. But that depends on maybe what cards you got, what your budget is, and what you're interested in. So that's yeah. 
one of the big questions, I think, when it comes to winning cube. Um, another one is size of your cube. Now, if you want to support an eight-player draft, uh, 360 cards is basically where you're going. That tends to be the small size cubes that you get. Like, I, I'm not really aware of any cubes smaller than that. Like, I suppose you could build a two-person cube with about 90 cards. But... Yeah, I don't see it being likely that people would want to build a cube that supports less than eight players. Yeah. I mean, some people will really like drafting with six players, but I think you'd still make your cube slightly bigger just in case you ended up with extra players. Yeah, I mean, one consideration with size is how many players do you want to support? Like, if you want, like, if you want to play a 16 player draft and you only have a 360 card cube, you're about 360 cards short of of people (laughs) being able to draft, unless you're just drafting a pack and a half each and playing a hell of a lot of land. Yeah, there's a few other things as well, like, it depends how much rotation you want. Like, do you want every card to be available in every cube? So, I mean, if you're going to have a draft with eight people um, and you've only got a 360 card cube, then everything's going to come up every time. Yeah. But if you've got like a 540 or a 720 card cube or whatever, then it'll rotate a bit more. So you'll, you'll sometimes not always get every card. Yeah. Um, if you're doing an eight-person draft and you have a 540 card cube, so that's sort of 50% more than you need card-wise for the players... Yeah. Um, obviously, you're only going to be playing with two-thirds of the cube at any given time, and each player will only see around half of the cards, you know, saying picks are being taken when the boosters get passed to them. So yeah. if you want to keep it fresh, then you may want to look for a cube 50% bigger than the amount of players you think you're going to be playing with. But yeah. with increasing uh, cube size, I mean, it becomes harder to maintain, and you got to... There's room for a lot more variance, and that can cause problems because you know you can't just unless you double up on every single one of your cards. But, anyways, yeah. Um, I mean, the other thing as well. One thing that one of my friends who has a cube does um, is he has cure effects like that. Let you get uh, the wish effects, even like living wish and glittering wish and stuff that let you get things from your sideboard. So what he does is his cube is sufficiently bigger than what's needed that whenever someone has a wish in the and they've drafted it and plan on playing it um they get a like a 40 card wish deck which is just a random selection of cards from what wasn't drafted right and then that changes between rounds so you've got different a different access each round so that's quite interesting okay um so i mean there's a few other things that you might want to consider if you're like when you're looking at the size of your cube as well um, and that's probably the, the coolest one I've heard of. I've not heard of that one before, I'll be honest. That's pretty interesting. Cool. Um, another big question is, do you want a, a sort of theme to your cube? Now, um, people, for example, have popper cubes. You know, everything in it is a common. And that's, that's sort of a restriction you place on yourself. And for some people, that's fun. I mean, people know they're not going to just lose on turn one, for example. You may have a multiplayer theme, like the entire point of your cube is that Everybody drafts, and then everybody plays a one big, massive multiplayer game, and you got cards which are more orientated towards, you know, affecting each player as opposed to just target opponent, for example. Extort. <laughs> yeah, I mean, extort would be a big one. Um, tribal theme is, of course, a big one. Like, um, it's always maybe easy to build a cube of a tribal theme because you can just go, well, oh, my blue stuff's just going to be merfolk and fairies, and, you know, that's cool. And then when I go to red, uh, goblins and black zombies and whatever. I mean,. Uh, and also people know that when they go into a cube, which is a tribal cube, they can go, oh, look, it's all Elf Lord. Well, Elf's clearly a deck. Let's go for that. That's cool. So, 
those are the sort of themes you can go for. I'm sure there's more. Um, some people just don't want a theme. There's no overarching theme. It's just sort of good cards. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen a bad rare cube as well, which I thought was quite funny. Oh, right, it, yes. All of the rares that nobody wants to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just, just try and make the most of them, basically. Yeah. Um, and some people also tend to go for a draft cube, which sounds quite redundant calling it a draft cube since you draft pretty much all cubes but I mean like cards that are specifically good in draft like they might never have been good in constructed but they're good in draft Yeah. so I mean something that might be an example is Flametongue Cavu which okay it is quite decent in constructed as well but it was it's particularly good in draft Right. so stuff that provides card advantage and things like that tend to be really popular in those style of cubes so yeah, there's a few different themes going around if that's the thing you're interested in, or not, but it's definitely something you want to think about before you come into this, alongside your size and if you want power or not. Um, now, an interesting point when it comes to building a cube is supporting the core archetypes of the game. So, the three main deck types are aggro, mid-range, and control. Now, some people may just not like control. Playing counter spells, bouncing things back to hand, <laughs> you know, stopping your opponent from being able to do stuff and play the game and magic they want to play. Some people may not like that, and some people may just go, no, I mean, blue's going to be in my cube, but it's not going to be doing all of those unfun things. On the flip side, some people may look at aggro and go, no, I don't, I don't want my games to be over really fast. The whole point of playing cube is I want to play with all my cool, awesome spells and, you know, being beaten down before I get to play any of my, you know, six-mana enchantments is not what I want to do. So some people may choose not to support aggro. Um, yeah, that's something I've actually seen a fair bit as well. Um, not necessarily not supporting aggro, but definitely trying to limit the power of aggro. Yeah, I think you can accidentally remove aggro as a viable archetype from your cube just by... I mean, if you look at your big spells you really want to play, I mean, I want to put in Angel of Serenity, I want to put in Elish Norn, I want to put in uh, Teferi, I want to put in uh, Grizzlebrand, I want to put in uh, the Titans, for example. I mean, I don't think any of those are less than six mana. No. And if I want to play all these big, massive spells, and I'm putting these cards in instead of um, Wild Nactal, Curd Lion, um, Curd Lion? Curd A, Gloom <laughs> Lion. The, the two together. <laughs> I knew where I was going. Uh, you know, you're putting in instead of, say, Snapcaster Mage, which isn't even really an aggro card, but it's a nice cheap card. Like, if you're just putting really expensive cards in instead of cheap cards, then you're just removing the viability of aggro because there's not enough cheap stuff going around. I mean, it's an accident which people can fall into, and um, there's sort of a term for these um, cubes which don't have like a very quick game where they all go along, a dragon cube. I mean, I'm sure you've heard of um, Battleship Commander. Yeah. The whole idea of you just playing really massive spells. I mean, you get cubes a bit like that, and they're sort of called dragon cubes, because the whole idea is you're just playing dragons. Those are the creatures you're playing, the six-mana dragons, because you don't play anything before that. So. It's the first time I've heard that term for some reason. Uh, but it's, uh, it does quite appropriately define it. Yeah, yeah, because... That's the size of the creatures you're playing. Um, now, another, the key thing potentially when going into building a cube is what archetypes do you want in the cube? Now, if you look at any draftable set, um, I mean, if you, even if you look at M14, which you may think of relatively boring compared to, say, what we've had in the past, there are archetypes to draft in M14. We can go with slivers as a very blatantly obvious option. There's an enchantment sub-theme running throughout um, Red-green aggro is there, there's white-blue flyers, I mean, there's a lot of these sort of basic archetypes you could name. I mean, it's of course a half-roll. 
cube also wants archetypes. I mean, if you just jam in all your best cards... I mean, I've drafted cube decks where I've just had a whole bunch of good cards, which have no synergy with one another, and yeah. they don't do well. I tend to do that. <laughs> I mean, I, I found they don't do well for me when I just like picked up a whole bunch of good cards on their own. Like, if you look at them in, in a void, good cards. Putting them in a deck together, where none of them actually work with one another to do anything in particular, eh, it's just a bit eh. And yeah. you really, I mean, your cube is meant to be exciting because you're playing the cards you want to play, you want to play the environment you want to play, you want to make this the drafts you want to draft. And if all you're doing is picking good cards and then you're playing games and it's all just like, I play this spell, it's good, but it's just, it's just doing its own thing and play this spell and it's just doing its own thing and there's no real cohesion to it, not so much fun. So you want to look to support archetypes. You may want to go in thinking, I really want um, elves to be a thing. Don't even have to be a tribal deck. I may just want elves to be a big thing and I have an elves deck. I may want to have artifacts as a big thing. So have the fun artifacts to play with, um, maybe some blue cards supporting it, some white cards supporting it, whatever. Uh, Reanimator may be a cool thing. So I want to put in all those cards which allow me to put stuff into my graveyard, get them back out of my graveyard for free. Um, the big creatures, which you can sort of only really play with Reanimator, you know, like Kozilek. Uh, you know, Grizzlebrand. Yeah, exactly. Like, Grizzlebrand, possibly playable, far more playable in a reanimator deck. So, going in, you kind of want to think about what sort of archetypes you may want to play. It's probably just the things you enjoy, or maybe you and your friends enjoy. Maybe you want to try out something new, whatever your choice. I mean, if it's tribal, it's a lot clearer what sort of archetypes you're looking to support. Yeah, and one of the most infamous cube archetypes in uh, Red Deck wins. Yeah. Although that tends to kind of appear itself in the if you put a re- if you put the same amount of red cards in as you have every other color, then the red cards just tend to be more aggressive anyway. Yes. Um, like it's very difficult to find like more mid rangey spells in red compared to some other colors. Yeah, and uh, that brings on to a good point which you just mentioned about balancing. Um, another thing when building a cube is, do you want uh, color balancing? Like, um. Do you want, say, I have 60 white cards? Does that mean I should have 60 blue cards and 60 black cards and 60 red cards, 60 green cards? Like, do I want to balance it out like that? Or maybe, you know, I'm crazy as a player. Actually, I'm just going to have a lot more red and blue cards because that's what I really enjoy playing. And if you want to play, you know, the, the junk colors, then go ahead. But really, you need to be supported by blue or red. <laughs> or, like, blue or red are your main colors, and you can splash the white and the black and the green. Like, it's your choice if you want to do that. I mean, is color balancing good? Well, I mean, if you completely, say, exclude a color and somebody really likes playing, say, black, and you just have no black in your cube, probably going to miff someone. But how un- imbalanced or how balanced you want to be, it's, again, your own choice because there are no rules. But it's something you possibly want to keep in mind. Now, yeah. most people tend to keep things relatively balanced. Multicolor is where people tend to go off the rails, like... You know, do you want to make sure that if I have an Azorius card, then I have to have a Rakdos card and a Cruel card and a Golgari card and a Simic card? Like, do you want to be that rigid? And sometimes people go further. Sometimes people go, well, there's gold cards. You know, I need a red and a blue to cast a spell. Other people look at hybrid cards as a completely separate section. Mm. You know, so I wouldn't put um, my Frostburn Weird in with my Izzet cards. That's clearly just a hybrid card instead and I want to have all my hybrids balancing. How far you want to go with this is entirely your choice. Does making a balance better? Well at least people know that they're gonna they're likely to see, you know, as many of one type of card as they are of each other colour of card. But that's not necessarily what you want to go with. Like 
maybe you just think Simic's weak and you just don't want to play Simic cards. Your choice. But it's something you'll want to consider going in when you're wanting to build your cube, whether you want to adhere as strictly as you can to sort of keeping all the colors in check or not. Yeah, I genuinely would not be surprised if you were to at some point make an Izzet cube that was just Izzet cards. Like, uh, just red and blue. That would be glorious. I just, I think the problem alongside the Relentless Rats cube is finding other people who like just playing blue and red. I don't know, like, blue and red can be quite fun. Just, just getting creatures for that cube would be pretty difficult, I reckon. Like, Get Giora, then any other creature <laughs> is viable. Any other yeah. spell is viable. <laughs> this is true. That there'll insurrection just, suddenly becomes playable. There'll just, be eight, there'll just be eight copies of Joyra in there, just so everyone can get one, and then just play my commander deck. <laughs> That's basically all. Joyra commander cube. <laughs> I love yeah. it. That just sounds insane. Well, why don't you just go one step further and have give every player a commander of Joyra, and then let them draft the red-blue commander deck? Yeah. With that as the commander. Yeah, I, I, I scarily like that idea. <laughs> no, you do. I'm not sure it's a great idea. Cool. That right, I'm we're cancelling the rest head. of the show. I'm going off. I'm building this Joyra Cube and we'll, we'll talk about it next week. That's all of next week is Joyra Cube. Yeah. No. Um, oh, I've just thought of another point actually. Talking about color balancing. Um, when you're looking to, uh, when you're looking at a, a color in particular, for example, say white, Mm. Um, white is a color which tends to have more creatures than they do spells. Um, and a lot of their spells actually sort of pump out creatures. You know, you got a lot of the token producing spells. Um, whereas if you look at a color like blue, they are a lot more about the non-creature spells. You know, they're a lot more about the instance of sorceries. So, um, when you come to build individual colors, you may want to keep that in mind. That, for example, when I look at all my blue cards, I really want more non-creature spells than creature spells. But when I come to, say, um, green, I want more creature spells than I want non-creature spells. Because, you know, green is all about having creatures on the board. It's less about the spells. Whereas you look at blue, and why do they even play creatures? They just play all the broken spells, <laughs> right? So um, the balance between creatures and non-creatures, or you could even go further and say, like, the balance between creatures and instance and sorceries and enchantments, for example is, again, another thing you may just want to consider going forward. Like, if you just end up jamming in somehow, like, 60 blue spells and then going, oh, I've got no blue creatures, you can do that. But chances are people are going to be going, well, where is my Snapcaster Mage? Where is my Augur Abolas? You know, why don't I have Grand Architect or something like that? You know, people are going to be a bit confused. So, again, just another thing to be aware of when looking to build your cube. Um, Also, like, in some colours, you might want to have a different average mana cost if you're going into it as well. Um, like, your green's probably going to be slightly more expensive on average than your white cards, for example. Um, and you might also want to look at creature size and have that. Although, the spells will generally lend themselves to doing this for you. Um, like, the good green creatures will generally be a bit bigger than the, the good white or blue creatures, so... It's up to you how far you want to go with it, really. Yeah, you probably want to look at the curve of each of your um, colors and make sure that they all are vaguely the same and they don't randomly spike at seven where you put all your cool cards you want to play. (laughs) But realistically, you're not going to see, unless you went for a dragon cube. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. Um, I don't think there's any other big suggestions when it comes to planning your cube. Mm, Not really. I mean... I think the two ways that we're going to cover how we built our own cubes 
is probably going to cover it, most of the other small decisions and stuff. So yeah, that, that's probably enough on that. Okay, so um, yeah, let's go in and talk about our cubes. Okay, well, I'll start, and I reckon I'm probably going to have a little bit less to say overall, because it's been a while since I've really sat down and looked at my cube, compared to the fact that you've done this in the last few weeks. Yeah, I've literally just bought it, yeah. Yeah, um, so, I mean, I may have said this before, but the way that I originally made the cube, or kind of designed the cube, because I didn't actually have all the cards for it that I wanted, um, was that I looked at a few cube lists online until I found one that I liked as a starting point. Um, and the one I ended up using is actually on cubedrafting.com. Um, it's Evan Irwin's cube list. So I had a look at that um, and kind of set it as a baseline. I then looked through it and sort of looked for cards I didn't like and took those out and then looked for cards I did like that were a similar mana cost and a similar sort of, they filled the same sort of slot in whatever decks, um, whatever archetypes that were there and put those in. Um, so basically I didn't necessarily want to start off from scratch because when I first done it I didn't think that I would be able to. Um, so I was more wanting something that had a lot of that done already so I could just choose what cool things I wanted to put in there. Um, so after doing that, I then went and had a look through my collection specifically uh, for cards I really wanted to put in that weren't already in the list, just so that I could cut down on some of the cards I would need to get. So I took those, and then I done a bit of a replacement with that as well, and then ended up with a final list of cards that I wanted to be my cube, and then set out on the the long path of trying to get all of these cards Considering that the cube list that I've started with was a powered cube, um, it did have stuff like the Moxin and Black Lotus in it. So my ability to get those cards at the moment is somewhat limited <laughs> in that it'll probably be a while before I ever get them. I do plan to get them, but it'll probably be quite a while. So what I've actually done is I've kind of removed those and then kind of balanced based around removing those um, but the, the cube is still sort of designed for the power to then get put into it whenever I eventually manage to get my hands on them. So it's it's mostly a power cube the, the curve is probably slightly higher than an, a non-powered cube um, but not as high as it usually would be for a powered cube um, and it's also it's a 540 card cube, so there is some um, rotation between drafts because I didn't want everything to show up in every eight-player draft that I'd done, um, just because it would lead to some people always drafting the same deck, uh, which might still happen, but hopefully it'll have limited it a little bit. And it means that the hate cards for certain archetypes as well, because I've tried to put in some hate for each of the archetypes, um, will not always be there. Um, so, for example, there's a few protection from red creatures, um, specifically to stop the red deck wins deck from getting out of hand. Um, so I've put them in to try and stop that, but they might not necessarily show up. So there's still a bit more safety in drafts in the deck than there would be if you were if you knew that either you had to hate draft them or someone was going to get them. Um, so that makes a bit of a difference. 
But I mean, the things that we were talking about earlier, like uh, archetypes, um, I've tried to sort of keep aggro mid-ranging control all quite well balanced. Although I do find that most people tend to draft mid-range decks anyway. Um, and I think that's just because in most draft formats, it's the mid-range decks that are the easiest to draft, and they're the most easily accessible. Um, although a lot of them tend to err slightly on the aggro side. Um, so that's, that kind of transfers over to when people play my cube, because they kind of have that mindset already, I think, and it's not too difficult to draft that in my cube. So it kind of ends up going that way, but that makes me quite happy because I get to just draft all the dirtily control decks <laughs> which is quite good but I mean looking at the sort of more individual archetypes like uh, reanimator, red deck wins um, I've got a bit of an artifact theme um, yeah I think I've, I've got most of the really common cube archetypes in there um, I didn't really remove anything but I tried to focus on a few um, so I've given Reanimator and um, kind of mono black decks in particular a bit of a boost because I found that they were really weak. Um, and I found other people saying similar things about white, so I'm not sure if I might sort of look at doing that soon. But it might be worth considering. I think the the biggest two decks I tend to draft in my cube are five color control and green white ramp. Um, with the five color control basically just being as many planeswalkers as I can get my hand on, hands on, <laughs> and all of the mana fixing. <laughs> so, it tends to be more like super friends, but does play a bit like five color control. Yeah. Um, so I mean that, that tends to be the deck that you were talking about where you end up with a lot of really good individual cards that don't necessarily play well together. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a tendency to do that. <laughs> Instead of like having a consistent, deck, but I mean, control tends to err that way when you do it in draft because it's hard to have a consistent sort of approach to trying to deal with everything your opponent's going to play. Um, so, it just, I don't know, it, I find it a little bit more difficult to have a consistent approach when I'm drafting a five-color control deck. But I just, I can't help myself. I do it all the time. It, it starts because I end up getting too greedy. Like, I'll start in one or two colours, and then I'll end up going into a third colour, and I'll see something and go, oh, I should really be playing that. So I'll go into a fourth colour, and then I just go, well, I'm already playing four colours, so why not? <laughs> Might as well go the full five. Um, yeah, once you're a four, what's the real opportunity of also going to five? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've got quite a lot of um, support for different colours. Like, I don't know if I've got more than normal, but I have... 80 land um, in comparison to 70 of each colour of spells that is so there's quite a lot of land in there um, I mean, 80 out of 540 cards is a reasonable per, uh, portion <laughs> so there's there's a decent amount of effects in if that's what you want to do but there's also quite a lot of um, double costed spells because I didn't necessarily want all the fixing to mean that everybody wanted to play lots of different coloured spells and that people who were sticking to one or two colours didn't get the really strong thing in those colours. So if you're playing five colours, for example, um, that Garrick Primal Hunter is probably going to be out of bounds because it's triple green. 
and stuff like that. So I've tried to kind of limit the 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 mana fixing by having enough things that if you're the the green drafter, then you'll get mono green spells that are difficult for anyone else to pick up. So it kind of it means that there's a bit more balance, um, and I find that that works quite well. But yeah, um, have you drafted Mickey before, Craig? Um, can't remember if you have. Possibly once, but I I can't even remember what I would have drafted. So yeah, I've not actually managed to get a full draft with it yet. But I don't think I'm not sure how many cards I actually have at the moment out of the 540 because it's not actually complete. Um, as I said, it's a bit of a, a project, an ongoing project to collect all of the cards that I want in there. Um, and I've also limited myself in that I won't buy any of the cards. So I have to trade for them all, which makes it a little bit more difficult again. Um, cause not only do I have to find people with the cute, with the cards that I want who are willing to trade them, I have to have stuff to trade that's worth it. So when trading for some of the more expensive stuff, it can get quite difficult. Um, I did make one exception though. Um, I have the dual lands, um, from the, the original sets, uh, Alpha Beta Revised Unlimited. Um, I have them in there. So last year when I was at GP London, I spent the £20 extra after trading in a bunch of cards to get a tropical island. Or was it Volcanic Island? It was one of the two, but it it was like a £100 card. So I thought that it was probably worth it to just hand over the extra £20 note that instead of trying to find something for £80. Um, so that was one exception. GP London was this year, it wasn't last year. You're right, it was this year. Yeah, it was, it was just at the start of this year, so I'm thinking it was last year because <laughs> it was a while ago. Yeah. Um, that's the one that Timothy Cinemano won this Indeed. year. And of so, course, that's yeah. why France won. Yeah, that's that's why they won. Just yeah. because of that. Obviously. Because he won GP London, that's why they won the World Championship. So watch out for the next winner of GP London. Whenever the next GP is is in London, watch out for the winner because then you'll know which nation is going to win the World Cup. Oh, are we, are we not, we're we saying specifically London, we're not even specifically, you're just going generally British. Okay, we could go British, it might be British. I mean, I we'll, I we'll look out for that London next again. year, but I've got a feeling it might just be London. So we'll, okay. we'll need to check. Could be. <laughs> next year we'll, we'll see if this, this happens. <laughs> Prediction right here. Yeah, that, that's probably a bit far in advance. We'll probably have forgotten all about this by then. Yeah, I imagine so. So if you're listening to this in, like, March of 2014, and you're hearing us say this, and there's GP London coming up, or it's just been, may want to remind us of what we just said here. Yes. I'm not sure when the next GP London is likely to be. I mean, the last one before this year was 2011, so it's entirely possible that it could be within the next couple of years. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, back to Cube. Um, <laughs> slightly sidelined. Um, yeah, the, the the other thing I think of really for the cube is that we were talking about stuff like color balance and things like that. Well, I, I'm pretty sure that mine's is color balanced in the design, but it isn't because I haven't got all the cards. So I'm not sure which way it's skewed, but I haven't actually noticed much of a difference. Like I haven't noticed more of one color than the other in particular. Um, although it may well be that there's like 50 white cards and 60 red cards. Um, or there, some, there will be something like that. It just may not be those colors. But yeah, I've not really noticed. So I think in 
draft, it, it can really go either way because even if you've got a completely balanced cube, the packs aren't going to be completely balanced anyway. And also, based on what people are picking, the cards that come around are going to be completely different. So I'm not sure it's 100% necessarily to have your color balancing perfect. And I don't think it matters that much, but um, the plan is to actually have it color balanced by the end of it. Um, but yeah, that, that's pretty much a, an introduction to my cube without going into the actual cards. Cool. Um, okay. If you go back to um, the version of the of the cubedrafting.com cube um, as it was late 2011 or early 2012, that's probably the closest to what I started with. Um, but obviously I've added the newer cards as they've came out as well, so I'm not sure what similar similarity there is between my current cube and the current cubedrafting.com cube. So I might need to compare it at some point. Just out of curiosity. Maybe see if I'm missing anything particularly good. There, There is a change log, so you can actually check all the things. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. There's a change log for every year, every set, I think. Cool. Okay. Um, I guess I should probably talk about my cube now, then. Yep. Well, you have done a lot of work on it. It would be a shame not to. <laughs> uh, quite probably true. So, let's tackle the big questions, because, of course, they are the big questions. I have an unpowered cube... I do not own or imagine I will ever own any of the Power 9, so that was pretty easy to work out. I mean, I don't have any of the Jewel Lands, so that also makes this decision really easy. And um, something you said about how you're only willing to trade to get to your completed cube, I put the restriction very early on that I would not buy any cards of this cube. If <laughs> I don't own the card, it can't be in the cube because I don't physically have it. Now, there is a slight mm, loophole that I'm happy to buy cards for Commander, and a lot of Commander <laughs> cards are quite good for Cube, but I will not go out and go, oh, that card would be really great in my Cube, I'm going to get that. Unless I really want it in the Commander deck I've got planned, I'm not going to get it. Yeah. Um, like, for example, you recently bought Bonfire of the Dam, not because you necessarily wanted it for your Cube, even though it was in there, Yeah. Um, but because you want it to finish off your set of... Everything restored. Yeah, so yeah, so I picked up Bonfire and Temporal Mastery and Tamio because those were the three cards I was missing from Amazon Restored to have one of everything. It just so happened that Bonfire was one of the cards I really wanted in my cube, and that was a happy circumstance there. But I mean, um, even when I f like quite recently finalized my list and went, this is the cards I want, I noticed two of the cards weren't in my collection. And <laughs> I didn't go and then, even though like they are commons and like they're probably like 10p. I didn't go out and buy them because it's just like I don't have them. I'm not getting. Them. So <laughs> even quite recently, I've you know found myself against that rule and just went, "That's fair enough. That's that's just that's the stipulation I've restricted myself to. I'm following that rule." Um, the other big question is: Is there a theme? And I do not have an overarching theme. I don't feel that, um, for example, I've got enough goblins to really make tribal a thing. Like that's sort of the big red tribal. I don't have enough goblins, so I can't make that work. I don't really want to have the the hassle of trying to work out what all the good multiplayer cards are, and uh, and I don't know how much people would maybe want to play an eight-player multiplayer draft, and uh, I didn't want Popper because I didn't want to restrict myself too much, so there's no overarching theme here, it's just good yeah, cards I want to play with. It's a bit more difficult to have an overarching theme if you are building it out of the cards you've already got, I think. Yeah, I mean, that, that pretty much killed Tribal Dead. Like, I may have been interested, but I don't have enough fairies or merfolk, goblins. I mean, 
I don't have enough good elves to really make it work, so yeah, it, it put uh, that to bed. I think all the core archetypes are supported. I've got a number of cube archetypes like Red Deck Wins, so I think aggro is definitely a thing. I've definitely got control cards in here, um, mid-range sort of. I don't think you'd really exclude mid-range. I think that's pretty challenging. So I'm pretty sure I've got aggro, mid-range, and control in here, and I'm pretty sure they're all viable. But I haven't played with this cube yet, so time will tell. But I'm pretty sure you can do whatever you like. It's not a dragon cube. I was sort of very aware that I could just slap in all my really big cards. And whilst I've definitely got some big cards in there, they're, they're like I put in one big card. I haven't put in like, <laughs> oh, here's ten massive demons, all six cost or more. I've put in like Grizzlebrand, and that's it. <laughs> so I've, I've just, you know, avoided putting in too many of the expensive cards, but that doesn't mean I haven't indulged in places because sometimes you just want to pay, play a big flashy spell plus, you know, reanimator wants them. So, um, yeah. talking about cube archetypes, uh, I don't know how many are sort of common cube archetypes because one of the things I didn't really do was look at other people's cubes when I built this. I've not actually played the Mitgo cube and I've played uh, Steve's foil cube, but that doesn't really have. Uh, <laughs> so. I mean, we've talked about Steve's foil cube in the past, and he built a cube based on what foils he had. Yeah, um, and it's a that, little bit different. <laughs> and whilst he's gone out and bought some expensive cards, I mean, they it's not it's not really archetype. It's just foil cards. All he's done is try and make it at least reasonably balanced between color. Yeah. Other than that, it's just whatever foils he has. So there's some really terrible ones in there as there well. There are some hilarious. really terrible cards, but it's it's good fun. So I don't have much experience with actually playing cube, and I haven't really looked at many cube lists, because, at least to me, it's just sort of looking at a list and going, I'm not entirely sure what all this is doing, I'm just trying to absorb all these cards at once. A bit overwhelming, so I just decided, no, do it myself, and it, it's definitely taken me a few iterations to actually get to a finalised cube, but... Um, I'm at least there now. So yeah. archetypes I've got, um, I'll just sort of run through them. Now, white three archetypes are all very similar. There's white weenies, there's white knights, which is primarily because I got a knights versus dragon duo deck and the knights deck. Is cool. <laughs> and uh, white tokens. I, I really like white tokens. I mean, uh, Lingering Souls really excited me when it came out. I know that's also in black, but I, I do like just pumping out the tokens pumping out the anthems and just going, ha look at all my 4-4 four, four vanilla creatures die. Um, <laughs> so yeah, white is probably really indulging what I enjoy, which is just lots of little white creatures and antheming them up or, you know, um, lording them up and making them all better that way. So yeah, all three of them are pretty interchangeable. I think white weenies and white knights are pretty close. White tokens is probably sort of doing a slightly own thing. Uh, it definitely more needs the anthem effects, but um those are my three sort of white archetypes. In blue, I've got a blue archetypes the uh, blue artifacts theme. So you know, um, well, I won't go into particular cards because otherwise we'll be here all day. But you know, things which in blue which like to do stuff with artifacts or get benefits from artifacts being a player or make artifacts better. Um, I've also got blue black mill. I really like mill. I don't actually know how strong it is in this, so we'll just sort of wait and see. But I've tried to make mill a thing because I enjoy it. Um, but well, you've got the you've got the mill deck. In your cube. Yeah, I do have Jace Memory Adept. Yeah, the, um, the, the mill deck. <laughs> yeah, and then there's a whole bunch of other cards which just aren't as good as Jace. Um, but I've tried to make that a thing, and that is across two different colours. Um, I've also got, this is definitely one of the weakest archetypes, but a blue-red flash-slash-flashback sort of thing going on. 
it's probably the most likely archetype I'm going to cut because it's a bit all over the place, but it's in there for now. It's mostly just good value because, you know, things come in instant speed or you just get two shots off of a spell. So it's probably just me sort of randomly putting in some cards in those colours, which I kind of like, but we'll see if it makes it work. Um, yeah. I mean, even if it's not an archetype, the, the spells that you would have in it, such as Think Twice and things, can fit into other decks. Like. Indeed, indeed. Um, Dredge, I've actually put in my cube. Which I know a lot of people say Dredge isn't actually magic. Like, Dredge is just a completely different card game. But I put Dredge in there because um, I got quite a lot of Dredge cards, and I was just like, I've never actually played Dredge. Let's just throw it in there and see um, how much fun it can be. And, uh, yeah, it's there. And it's, again, another two-color archetype. All my archetypes are either mono or two-color. Um, I've got Black Zombies. I like zombies. They're a good tribal thing for Black, so that's just there. Reanimator is also a thing. It's most like that is mostly a reanimator package, which is just spells which either shove stuff in the yard or bring stuff out of the yard. I mean, the creatures you want to play with reanimator or the big you know creatures which I've indulged myself in, so I didn't really have to put too many creatures in um, for that archetype. It was mostly just the spells. Um, red deck wins, so I put in a lot of the cheap, powerful sort of uh, early game red spells. Um, although again, they're probably just good in red in general. Uh, there's also a model red storm thing going on. Although again, that's possibly a bit weak. I've sort of put, I did compromise a bit and put just storm cards in just because they have the word storm on them. But it does include some of the more powerful ones and uh, the anthems, uh, not the anthems, the rituals which support that. Yeah, um, I mean the thing is um, to go off with storm, all you need is grinning ignis and then either empty war and scrape shot in a decent amount of mana. So I mean you can have the the stuff in there to support it without too much, like, without committing too many card slots to it. The, the smallest archetype in number of cards, Green Infect. I just thought I'd shove it in there. I never got a chance to play with Infect. So... Yeah, you weren't missing much. I, I <laughs> yeah. Um, I put Infect in there again. I, I'm just interested to see how it plays. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure that this is a deck which either you're going to have all the Infect cards or none of the Infect cards. There's no point having, like, a random, say, Viridian Corruptor if you don't have any other Infect creatures. So I think people will be able to draft it if they really want to go for it. Who knows? We'll just see. If not, then that's a whole bunch of green cards I could reclaim for some other archetype uh, pretty easily because there is no synergy going on outside, you know, either Infect or not. So I can just remove all the Infect on once if I need to, which is yeah. quite handy. And then uh, green ramp, so lots of guys which just produce mana, and then lots of big guys or things which get plans into play or things that benefit from a lot of mana kicking around. So, you know, sort of traditional archetype, but, you know, putting it in there and making sure it's a thing. Yeah, to be honest, it's it's pretty difficult not to have green ramp in your cube. Yeah. If you, if you don't have at least some kind of ramp thing going on and with green, then you're not really doing green properly. <laughs> Indeed. Now, um, balancing is something I was definitely very rigid on when I came into this. I was, you know, however many white cards I've got, there's going to be the equal amount of blue and black and red and green. And then once I did that, I sort of pushed it further. And my multicolor spells are, you know, there's, there's the same number of multicolor spells as are white and monocolor spells. Uh, same number of artifacts and the same number of land. So they're literally my cube is split eight ways equally between the, f- the five colors, multicolor, colorless, and land. When you go yeah. to multicolor, again, it is split completely evenly ten ways, so each of the guilds have an equal amount of cards representing them. So um, there's six of each 
color of uh, uh, two color cards. And then slightly further, there's also five uh, wedge cards. No wedge cards, sorry, shard cards. There's yeah. just a five, one for each shard, no wedge cards. So again, it's completely balanced across the field. Again, when you look at my land, all the land, the, the colors of mana the land produce, again, completely equally balanced with mana rocks, again, completely equally balanced. So I was very rigid when it came to that. Um, and this also extended into what types of cards I had in each of the um, colors. So, for example, as I mentioned before, how many creatures versus how many non-creatures, I had pretty strict ratios of what I wanted. So, black's the only one which has an equal amount of creatures and non-creature spells. Everything else is shifted slightly depending on what the colors prefer. Um, I was also aware that, you know, archetypes don't really include um, removal spells. Like, removal spells are just something you've got in your deck. Um, bombs are sometimes also just a thing you just have in your deck. Like, you, yeah. you, know, you got a deck which is just doing a thing, but you've also randomly got, you know, the Elish Norn in there to just be a massive threat when it hits the board. Um, Although, to be fair, a lot of the bombs are kind of reanimator targets. Yeah, a lot of the bombs are reanimator targets, which is why, again, I didn't give reanimator much, creature-wise. Yeah. But, yeah, I was aware, like, you know, removal, you want removal uh, in every deck. And, again, I was pr- pretty, as, as much as I could, because some colors are weaker than others for this, I, I keep the remove, the number of removal spells equal across mm. each of the colors. So... For example, there are five creature removal spells in white. Um, there's five creature removal spells in red, although some are. There's also removal spells in the red deck wins deck. You know, it's a bit hard sometimes. Um, yeah, black's like, got a, real... a lightning bolt. Yeah, is sometimes a removal spell and sometimes just burn to the damage, face. <laughs> yeah, uh, black's a really bad one for like um, removal for non-creatures. Yeah. So I've got more creature removal spells in black, but and and some really bad sort of non-creature removal spells in black, namely braids and descent into madness, which is just. Uh, really I don't bad. know about braids. Braids, braids yeah. is kind of like a smokestack, so that's pretty awesome. Descent into madness. Mm. Yeah, maybe that one's a bit ropey. <laughs> and I'm also trying to include the same number of sweepers in each color and the same number of what I call bombs, but. They vary depending on what you mean by bomb. Like Elish Norn, that's a bomb. Factor Fiction, eh, eh, you know. So Fury Vortex, now that is a bomb. Yeah, so Fury <laughs> Vortex is one of my red bombs. So um, that is there. With Multicolor, I wasn't that strict. I wasn't like trying to go, oh, I need to make sure that I've got the correct number of spells and creatures. I made sure there was at least one spell and one creature. Um, I tried to make, I kind of did the best about at least one removal spell in each of the colors, but I'm not sure if that actually panned out. One of the quirks to the deck, uh, as far as I see it at least, is that um, after I built my cube, I then went, you know, there's an archetype I really want to support. Um, <laughs> and again, it's just another thing which I enjoy, and I just wanted to put it in there. And I'm like, ha, ha, I don't really want to remove other cards to make this work. So I went for five-color archetype, uh, and I decided to put slivers into my deck. So... Everything is balanced until you add in the four extra creatures I've added into each color and the five extra uh, allied colored slivers I've put in and the one sliver overlord and the one sliver construct. This is where I just sort of slightly bent the mold I'd set myself, <laughs> but I decided, sod it, slivers are going to be fun. So, as a, so yeah, there's four extra creatures, then there should be, uh, which are all slivers. Um, nice. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, because there's the allied pair slivers, I had had to put in the enemy pair 
and I didn't actually have all the sliver, so I just put an enemy pair removal. Um, <laughs> and also because of the sliver, Overlord was the only Wooberg spell in the entire cube. Like I was tempted to put Progenitus in, but I kind of thought that's just another reanimator target. There's enough. Uh, Silver Overlord makes Multicolor have one extra card, and I've had to remove one extra card, one of the cards from Artifact. So actually, there's the one imbalances. There's one extra multicolor card, one few artifacts, <sighs> and broken. it's broken it. So yes, it, <laughs> so everything has uh, thir- uh sorry, sixty four cards, except for uh Multicolor, which I think has sixty five, and then Colorless is sixty three. So yeah, it's it's slightly imbalanced because of that. So, oh dear, yeah. I'm sure yeah. I can let you off. It, yeah. It's hard not to want to put something like slivers in there. <laughs> and yeah, I could only make it work because uh, with a stricter mode, I had it had to be across all five colors. Now, unfortunately, again, I run into my problem of I don't have enough blue slivers. So I've got wing sliver, <laughs> synchronous sliver, gale rider sliver. See if you can catch the odd one out here. Moth Dust Changeling. Okay, I don't get it. They're all slivers. True, they are all slivers, but obviously the Changeling <laughs> isn't really a sliver. You know, it's not giving any of the slivers other abilities, but I don't have another blue sliver, so it has to be a Changeling and random value. Oh, well. <laughs> um, I may be slightly tempted to break my rule just to get another sliver because it is an imbalance, which annoys me. But as you can see, I went pretty far on the balancing act. Now, not necessarily if you draft a mono-red deck and a mono-blue deck, are they going to be equal and it's going to be a boring game, but I've tried to be as equal as I can across the colours and what sort of spells are there. And, uh, yeah, you can see... If you didn't know I was pedantic before, then welcome to me being pedantic, because it's what I do best. So, Yeah, but yeah. this is true. <laughs> but yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> that. That was the design of my cube. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I've really got to say. Um, uh, you're drafting it? very soon? I am drafting very soon. I, I thought I was drafting it this Sunday and I've been informed that I don't remember the date which I actually set for the event. <laughs> so it's actually, which which has made me really sad. Like, I was so looking forward to it, like, all last week and all this week. Like, going to be able to draft my cube soon, going to be able to draft my cube soon, and then I post, like, cube t- this Sunday, and then you post, no, it's not, it's next Sunday. I'm like, damn, no. <laughs> so yeah, we're, we'll be drafting it soon. I'll be able to try it out because, I mean, I've mentioned a few of the archetypes which I think are weak, maybe even unplayable with like the the blue red flashback. That may just be random blue and red cards. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm very interested to see if it works as well as I hope, or whether I've made it horrendously imbalanced and reanimator is too strong and I need to cut it. <laughs> but this this is actually one thing maybe to mention about Cube. Cube, I feel, is definitely something which evolves over time. Like, you could just build a cube and just remain r- remain there, but, you know, even as you're building your cube, Dan, you've been adding in the cards from newer sets you want to put in because they're fun exactly. and exciting. Yeah. So, cube is an evolution, so undoubtedly, sure, this is the first time it's going to be drafted, and this is the... It's currently at 515 cards. I haven't quite put in the extra 25. I, I mean, I want to kind of see how it goes first before I start looking to see what else I want to add in. Um, but it will evolve over time, and um, I'm perfectly comfortable with that. And, uh, yeah, giving it its first outing, we'll definitely see where I should start shifting my focus straight away. And, of course, if you want to play Cube a lot, you need to make sure it's fun for the other people around the table, and for yourself, obviously. So, you know, you, you will have to slightly bend to the whims of other people. So if nobody likes Reanimator, it may be getting boots. If nobody likes Jora, then they can just go and sod off and now be playing Jora by <laughs> themselves, because Jora is amazing. Yeah. 
I don't think we should ever let you have a joy, Ricky. Uh, it's happening. It's happening. Uh, I don't know when. I don't know how, but it's totally happening because you put the idea in my head, and that ain't going away. Oh, let, let's go back to another idea then. Okay. You need another blue sliver, and you're not allowed to buy yourself a sliver. What if someone was to give you a sliver? I see no problem with that. Awesome, that works. You got a blue sliver for me? I'm going to get a blue sliver for you. Awesome. I'm going to get you a mnemonic sliver, because I think it's a really good blue one that you don't have. It lets you give every sliver, to pay two mana, and sacrifice it to draw a card. Ooh. Turns every sliver into a mind stone that doesn't produce mana. I don't know. I don't know what else does that effect. <laughs> no, drawing cards is a very blue thing. I like that. Oh, we need to... I wanted to get one of those. <laughs> it's ah, a common. So. <laughs> I'm not sure yeah. where we're going from here. Um, oh, actually, this is something I may just want to mention out of context. Uh, I think there's a really amazing website for cubes, uh, which is pretty recent, uh, called cubeuter.com. And um, I'm not sure how long it's been on the go, but it's a really mm. good website for cubes. Like I know a lot of people have been using MTG Salvation topics in there to sort of uh, get comments yeah. of the cubes and stuff, but... Um, I'm not being, I'm honestly not, not being paid by CubeTutor, I promise you, this is not advertising, although it is. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you can sign for, sign up for free, there's no cost, um, although they do welcome donations, that's been a very recent addition actually, and it's been growing quite well, uh, in the last few months since it's been going, it's been adding a lot of new features. So what you can do, you can create as many cubes as you want, um, so I actually got two cubes sitting around, but the one's empty and the other one's the cube I've built. Um, you can go look at it to see what's in there so I can see all the cards I've got. Uh, you can draft it and um, it's just like any sort of online draft, not on MitGo, but like other sites which do online drafts. You can pick the pack size, how many packs you're drafting, how many bots you're playing with. So if you have actually built a cube, which is meant to be a six-man cube, you can set the bots to five and draft like that. Um, mm. There's a sealed option, so if you actually play sealed cube, you can do that again, set the pack size, set the number of packs you want. Um, once people have done your drafts, you can look at analysis and it'll show you what cards are being picked the most and what cards are being passed the most. So even though my cube has never physically been played, um, I can see that, for example, um, Kakusho and Mutilate and Devote Invocation are quite high picks, whereas uh, Stensia Bloodhole is the most passed <laughs> card and has never been picked because it is rubbish, but it was there to complete the land cycle. I really yeah. want to replace it. Um, and in fact, I think I can actually see that a lot of the infect cards have also been passed. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you can look at that. Um, it also shows you your balancing. Uh, shows you you can actually track how foiled a cube is. Oh. Um, cool. So when you, if you build your own cube, you can't really see this on other people's cubes, but if you build your own cube, you can set uh, if they're foiled or if they're proxies, if they're promos, if they're alpha cards, if they're uh, altered, whatever, and you can actually see how pimped out, as it says, the cube is. Um, uh, that's, that's something I forgot, actually, is um, I'm trying to get as much of my cube altered as possible. Um, the exceptions being things that are already promos and foils, because, you know, obviously they're a bit harder to alter. Yeah. So anything which is either already a, FOMO, a promo or foil, or I'm going to be e able to easily get a, a promo or foil. Like, if it's an F&M promo, I'll probably get it a lot easier than, say, if it's a judge promo. Yeah. Um, so anything which I can't get as a foil or promo will instead be altered. So it's, it's going to be probably half altered by the end of of all of it, so I'm quite looking forward to that. 
That'd be pretty cool. I've, I've, I sent away my first batch of cards to get altered. Um, I think it was 20 or th- I think it was about 20 cards was the first batch I sent away to get altered. So I'm waiting to get them back, but I've seen a few pictures of them online in progress. So yeah, can't wait to get my hands on them. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, that would be really cool. Um, although I know a lot of people are really keen on getting their cubes all filed out, especially once you've already managed to get all the cards, because that is the next thing, I guess. Yeah, once you've got the cards, the only way to go is foil, isn't it? I think it depends on who you are, though. For example, we know one person who absolutely detests foils and will take a mediocre rare over a good foil rare just because they don't want a foil. Yeah. So, yeah. And like, ironically, I think she has actually drafted Steve's all foil, all foil yeah. land cube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, when I, uh, when I saw she'd signed up for the event, I did actually post up, by the way, this, this cube is 21% foil. I do apologize in advance. <laughs> I mean, I didn't put in as many foils as I could have, I'll be, I'll actually be honest. Although 21 is still ridiculously it's high. It's quite high for something that you've just put together. Yeah, and I, I wasn't one of these people. Again, maybe another stipulation. You want an old foil cube? I didn't put in foils just because there were foils. Yeah. Uh, or sorry, I didn't put foils into the cube because there were foils. Although, yeah, sure, when I picked which version of the card I wanted to put in, the foil tended to be the, you know, the privileged choice. But Yeah. yeah. But again, you're also not going to be going to try and get foil versions because that would go against your rules of how you made the cube. So Yeah, I mean, maybe if I see it as a rare draft and it's in the cube, then sure. But otherwise, no, I'm not going to go back and try to get all the foil stuff I don't have so yeah, yeah that yep. seems fair cool I think that's all we want to talk about cube at the moment let us talk about our um, I don't even know what to call it what we've been doing in the last week in general geeky sort of stuff doesn't have to be magic related but either or both whatever <laughs> I don't know what to call this topic or this little section so I won't bother um, so what have you been up to this week um, well Put a couple of things. Uh, the main thing, uh, magic related was obviously F and M, um, which was quite interesting. Yeah. Uh, in that between me and Craig, we had three planeswalkers. <laughs> um, and probably shouldn't have been playing some of them. <laughs> I should not have been playing the mill deck, but. <laughs> you know, I, I picked it up and I just thought, mill deck, green, that works. Uh, so yeah, I played Jace on my green deck. Yeah, Jace and a couple other double blue spells, I believe. Yeah, I can't remember what, uh, Messenger Drake. Uh, I remember Messenger Drake, I don't think I saw you play anything else though. Uh, there was definitely two other blue spells that were both the same, but I can't remember. Ah, uh, fair enough. Uh, let's see what I'm working out. Oh, uh, I was, what happened with me was I opened a Jani first pick, and normally you open a Blazeworker first pick, it's great because you can build around it, but uh, white ended up drying up completely. Um, so I think I drafted uh, white and mostly red in pack one and then just ended up playing red-blue, um, but I still splashed white, even though I shouldn't have, <laughs> for a Jani. <laughs> well, I should have splashed white because I had... A dark steel ingot, and I had two pacifisms. What I shouldn't have then done was put like an extra planes in, and then put a Janny in as well. Yeah, but I done it anyway, and he did kind of win with one game. He didn't ultimate, but he won one game in that he gave things plus one counters and things. Mm-hmm. So that was quite nice. 
But yeah, yeah I, I probably shouldn't have been playing it. <laughs> yeah, remember all those all those lessons we tell you about not being greedy, and then we just break the rules ourselves. Yeah, yeah, we we break all the rules that we tell people. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, important thing: you need to know what the rules are and understand why the rules are in place. Yeah. Before so you then you go break and break them. the rules, and at least when you break the rules, you understand why you start losing terribly, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's fine. It's fine to um, lose because you deliberately broke a rule because you felt like it. Because then it's, you've only got yourself to blame, and you've probably done it in full knowledge of the fact that it's going to lose you some games. Yeah. Um, which is exactly why I expected the Johnny thing to do, but it panned out a lot better than expected. Yeah. Um, although there was one hilarious game where it came down to top, te- top deck and I was losing the game massively. It got all the way to the point where I had, I think, 10 land in play or 11 land in play. Um, I then top decked to Johnny, looked at my land and goes, I can't play him. <laughs> what? With 10 lands in play, I could not play my Johnny. <laughs> I even had the dark steel ingot. I had no playing doubt whatsoever. Wow. <laughs> so I just looked at it, giggled to myself. At this point, it was only match left, so everyone was watching. Um, a couple of people saw me draw the card and kind of giggled as well. Um, but my opponent didn't realise what it was that I'd drawn, so it was quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a bit unusual. I did win the game, though, so it didn't matter. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I think I've only really done one magic thing this week. Um, although obviously this weekend is going to be different because it's game day weekend. So it is indeed. Yeah. Um, we've got F and M draft, and then I'm unfortunately not going to be playing in one of the game days that I usually play in. Yeah, you're not coming to the one I'm going to, are you? No, I'm instead. Yes, play with mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm instead at a thing in Edinburgh where we're drafting and then playing some board games. So. Oh. A different kind of geeky night, yeah. geeky day, even. And then I'm going to do a game day on the Sunday instead. <laughs> so, full which, weekend of magic. Yeah, which I'm not going to. So you can win Sunday's game day, I'll win Saturday's, then we'll both have our play mats. Don't know, Sunday's is a, is a much bigger competition. This is true. Like, which is... The, one, the one that we both usually go to is in a small game store with usually eight or less players going to the game day. Um, the one I'm going to is 24 players, and the general ability of the players is a bit higher because they actually play constructed. Yeah. Whereas nobody at our local store really plays constructed. Yeah, because we, we've mentioned again and again that it's always just draft. Although, although, <laughs> I will <laughs> say, I can't remember, is it the second week in September or the third weekend of September? Because, uh, this, so news children, it's the 8th of, of August now. Yesterday Extended was officially retired in an official Magic format. But, but I got in under the belt and made sure we have one more Extended event at our local gaming store. In fact, probably our only Extended event at our local yeah. gaming store <laughs> before it actually goes out the window. So I think... Although actually there were um, in the same place, well, not the same store, but in same, yeah. same town, um, there was Extended. Really? Because oh. um, in the old game store that was there, people had... It was when people had just started playing, like almost everyone started in M10, and M10 and Zendikar were like about to rotate, and they thought, why not like play with them for like an extra year? So they thought, right, we'll put extended on the rotation, so we'll do an extended tournament every two or three weeks 
um, just so that people can play with these older cards. Hmm. However, some people then went out and bought actual extended decks, and right. it got silly. <laughs> because when you actually play extended decks against people who are just playing for the extra year's worth of cards that they already own, it tends to work out a lot more in the extended deck's favour. <laughs> yeah. So, that, I mean, that was funny. I mean, I definitely just put it in there just because I wanted to give it one last hurrah because I thought it, like, it, it deserved it. But I don't know what I'm playing, and I don't have like many cards prior to Innistrad, so I'm not actually benefiting from the whole two extra years of extended. Well, I am just going to be playing a standard deck with maybe a few random cards fitted in. Well, to be fair, Zendikar is the first block and extended at the moment, and that was the first block where I really started playing Magic again. So it's probably the ideal format for me to just randomly try and pick up because I have a lot of cards from the time. Yeah. Um, but I'm still going to end up playing like some kind of singleton deck, probably. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be cards from my cube, most likely. Because that's the only cards I've really hung on to, is the, the one-offs that are in my cube. Wait, so. can I play Emrakul? I've never played Emrakul yet. You could play Emrakul. He's not banned and extended, is he? No. Oh, yeah. I mean, Emrakul, I, I put Emrakul in the cube, specifically because I haven't played... Cause I that was the one thing I was tempted by, actually, was to try and make a ramp deck for, for this one extended event. I, I bought the Emrakul and then realised it was banned Commander. That made me sad. Ah. Uh, and the promo Emrakul, no less. So, really... I spent and like you, also, you also have the uh, the deck, the Commander deck, which had Grizzlebrand in, don't you? Commander deck? You had a commander deck with Grizzlebrand in yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. My, my first commander out. deck was like a Kalia deck, and I got Avacyn and Grizzlebrand into play. And this was before Grizzlebrand got banned from the format, so yeah. Yeah. That was pretty cool. <laughs> in- indestructible Grizzlebrand. Avacyn and Grizzlebrand, they're best buds forever. Yeah, that just shouldn't be allowed to happen. Ah, uh, that like, made they, me so They happy. should have like an extra thing where if those two are in play at the same time, they just destroy each other. If you go back in the archives on uh, DelvingToDraft.com, it's like one of the first posts was a picture of Avacyn, Grizzlebrand, Necropotence, and my pink bunny playmat. <laughs> yeah. That's just... It, it just puts everything in contrast when you've got the playmat there as well. I love my playmat. <laughs> I know I know it's a wild playmat, but seriously, pink bunny. Looking at a, like this butterfly, it's the best. It is one of the few wow playmats that I will allow... At a magic draft. <laughs> there are oh, only around three. Otherwise it'd be like, I'm head judge, you're banned. <laughs> yeah. a- anything else, not allowed. Um, anyway. Yeah, I think that, that's pretty much everything I've done magic related, but I did also do something else fairly geeky this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I started watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer again from the first episode. Oh. It makes you realise how old you are. When you start watching this thing that you've watched when you were a kid, it's like when I, when I tried watching Goosebumps again. Oh, like this is nothing like what I remember it. <laughs> I never actually watched Buffy when it was first out, but I did a few years ago watch the first two seasons pretty solidly through. Yeah, it's so cheesy. Like I don't, I don't remember it being that cheesy. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Oh dear. But yeah, so I started watching that again. That that's probably the geekiest thing I've done all year. No, not quite. <laughs> it's not possible to say that when you play magic. <laughs> oh, oh, that's a that's a harsh thing to say. Well, I don't know. I think going all the way to London just to play a card game is pretty damn geeky. Driving for how many shut, hours? Sh- shut up! <laughs> shut up! GP London was amazing, and I have no regrets. Oh, I had no regrets. But I thought, it, oh, the drive back was horrid, but I think I've I detailed that in an earlier. Yeah. Show. 
Yeah. I, I, that long a drive is never going to be fun when you're unwell. No. Especially when you're feverish. Oh, God. It's a little bit nerve-wracking when you're the passenger as well, to be fair. (laughs) Uh, uh, You're not 100% sure whether the driver's going to pass out or not, and he's the only person in the car out of the four of you who can actually drive. What about you? What have you done this week? Um, So crazy draft. I built a cube. Woo! Finally got on my sleeve, so, uh, yeah, there's 514 cards inside this box. There's the bonfire sitting there, which still needs to be sleeved and put in. Guess I probably need to look at my land and sleeve those as well, because that, that's actually another good thing about a cube. You want to have sleeved lands, because, and they want to be the same sleeves, obviously. Yeah, it just makes everything so much easier. Yeah, so I still need to do that. Um, the other well, thing, actually, to point out, though, is if you are going to get a foiled cube, get a foiled land. Yeah. And yeah. don't do it the other way around either. Like, no. <laughs> like, an all-foil land base with non-foiled cards just doesn't work either. Mark cards. Yeah. If you want to have a mix, that's fine. But Yeah, I've seen people do it before, have an all-foil cube and then just draft it with the basic lands that were in the shop, like the store that they were playing in. It was like, mm. no, that's just wrong. Yeah. So you could you could visibly tell as well, like because their cards were a little bit bent, like they weren't good. They hadn't like specifically tried to have the foils be flat, hmm. so you could tell when when they had basic land on top of their deck. Right, it was quite funny. Anyway, you were saying, <laughs> um, yeah. So something else magical related. Um, I will be judging at an SCG event in Cardiff on uh, September the fourteenth. And I would say 15th. The event's also on the 15th, but actually I'm just judging on the 14th at the moment. Ah, so um, what will you be doing on the 15th? Uh, will you be playing? That's a very good question, because it's uh, they're both constructed tournaments. Uh, on the Sunday, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the the Saturday, which I'm judging... if I'm not There mistaken. will be drafts, though. Yeah, there are, there are drafts. So there's also modern Masters drafts. Ooh. Interesting. But I don't know how much... I mean, it's going to cost me a reasonable amount of money. It's like a six and a half hour drive, uh, which I'm probably going to do. I I don't know if I'll... I probably won't play that. I don't think I'll trade it. I hate the trade. Um, So yeah, six and a half hour drive. It's quite a distance. Uh, Also not really getting paid for it, like getting judge support, but eh. it's more just for the experience and being able to actually judge... Like, Well, regional coordinator is going to be there. Uh, A judge who I've met before... At a WoW event, who he was judging at. Um, so we meeting. I was meeting judges. Uh, funnily enough, half the judges are in Scotland, and we're going to the South of Wales. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's because all the Scottish judges are gutted because there's no PTQs here this season, oh. so they're all going down to Wales to judge instead. <laughs> ah, that is so infuriating. Six was it? There's six PTQs, and they're all in England. Yeah. Is there one in Wales? Maybe. Uh, maybe. Yeah. But they're certainly all south of the border. And they're not even in the north of England. Like, none of them are in the north of England, I don't think. I think the I most northerly... Manchester is the farthest north. I was going to say, I thought Liverpool, but... Anyway, yeah. Know. So yeah, I'll be going down to this SCG Elite IQ. That's an invitational qualifier, isn't it? Um, they don't really get many SCG events here, but... Yeah, it'll be cool to meet up with people, see people I haven't met other judges in the UK, which will be good, because it's not like I've... Like, I've met all the Scottish judges, but beyond that... Yeah. So but there's that. not that many of us, to be fair. No, there's more really. now than there used to be, but there's still only around, what, eight um, that actually judge on a reasonably regular basis? I'm not entirely sure what Glasgow's like for judges, who the Glaswegian judges are. 
I mean, I know I know at least two of them, but I'm not sure if there's yeah. any more. So, but yeah, it'll, it'll be good. So yeah, that's well, middle of September. So be doing that. I'm tempted to come with you. Well, I I would welcome the company in the car because yeah. yeah. my birthday is ten days later, so I should be able to kind of early birthday blag present it. money. Yeah, I should be able to blag it based on that. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> so um, I am I am still trying to work that one out. <laughs> Um, the only other geeky thing I think I've done, I've started playing Borderlands 2 again, and I just bought all of the DLC on the PC, so I am thoroughly enjoying that. Nice. Um, playing the Mechromancer class uh, with the best friends forever talent tree, so you get silly stuff like um, when you miss, you can sometimes ricochet and hit, <laughs> um, and other weird, wonderful, silly things. It's It's an interesting class, because on one talent tree, it's sort of very friendly to uh, less experienced players. It's got just, you know, stuff like when I miss I can sometimes hit and the special ability of summoning this massive robot called Death Trap is pretty cool <laughs> and pretty powerful. But the other, like, one of the other talent trees is exceptionally skill intensive. So this is literally, like, opposite ends of the scale, like, very friendly for the newer player and exceptionally, you know, testing. Yeah, cool. And in the middle, you just got this random tree, which is all two elemental effects. But anyways, yeah, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying playing Borderlands. I think it's... I, I enjoy it. I know it's a bit grindy, but... Eh. Yeah, speaking of grindy, I have played a lot of Civ recently. Oh, yeah. So, I'm, I'm Civilization 5. Yeah, ditto. But I haven't played Borderlands basically ever. It's cheap at the moment, and if you want to know after the show, I will tell you how to get it for cheap. Uh, someone already gave me a copy of it. <laughs> I've only played it for about half an hour. Like, I never really sat down and gave it a shot, like, a proper chance. Cool. Let's end the show here. Let's play Borderlands the now. <laughs> Plan. Awesome. Right. Um, yeah, in all seriousness, I think we can do the outro. Okay. Cool. Um, we are on Tumblr at delvingintodraft.tumblr.com. We're on Facebook as Delving into Draft. Our email address is delvingintodraft at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter as Ravik underscore. Dan is Mad, and Steve is Horse. You're also this week with me, Craig, and you, Dan. That's me. The intro and outro music is by Kevin McLeod. The name of the song is a cannery, and it is royalty-free music licensed on the Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Mm-hmm.